WENJHD Millville, Atlantic City, 97.3 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. It is a football Friday edition of the Sports Bash. We had NFL action last night, my friends, and we had a whole heck of a lot else that was happening in the world of sports. We'll get to it all, Mike Gill. Hunter Brody, Josh Henning producing today's show. You out there. What's up, everybody? Happy Football Friday, Eagles and Washington. It's Sunday right here on 97.3 ESPN. We're all over it, man. Now, did that game do anything for the juices last night? Of course. Of course it did. I mean, it's football, right? The problem is it was up against a Phillies game as well. That might have pissed me off so much I didn't know how to operate afterwards. Happy hour Friday. You need a drink after that Phil's game last night. One? <laughs> so is Tommy Hunter Pippen or Jordan? He's uh, TJ McConnell. I don't even know. Now he's the fur con cork moss. He's unplayable. He stinks. He stinks. stinks. That bullpen, embarrassingly bad. We'll get into that. We'll get into the Eagles. NBA playoffs tonight, game seven. Juiced up for game seven? Of course. I think that game, game six was special. You know, you have the double overtime. That was must-watch television. I, I really am excited for this game seven. Absolutely. How now, about you? Now, I am. Now, I was just having lunch with my father, and he was saying, you know, hey, a friend of mine thinks the Heat can win the whole thing, you know, but I think they got to get by Boston first. I said, Boston? Boston's still got to get by Toronto. So, I'm not, I'm not writing, uh, I'm not writing Toronto off just yet. I mean, it's gonna, it should be a really good game seven. I'm wondering if either of these teams have anything left in the tank, though. That's all. So we'll get into that. We'll, uh, we'll dive into game seven tonight. You can hear game seven on 97.3 ESPN. We'll definitely, we got plenty of birds today. Uh, Chad Millman from the Action Network. Uh, Chad's awesome. Um, with the, the spreads and the lines and all that stuff. The Action Network, which is, one of the premier, um, you know, lines uh, in in sports. He's going to join us every Friday. Chad Millman, one of the premier guys when it comes to that. And I met Chad at the Super Bowl, by the way, and he enjoyed doing our show at the Super Bowl so much. He reached out and said, "Hey, I'd love to do this." I was like, "Dude, Chad Millman's reaching out to me to do our show." I was like, "Oh, okay." So very excited about that. Um, Andrew DeCecco, football at four. We'll get his pick for the birds, the matchups, and everything. He's got a lot of great coverage. And then Happy Hour Friday with Pete Thompson. This is going to be a regular thing for the football season. The Happy Hour Fridays are going to continue with the PT. We'll get his weekend thoughts. And then Casey Joyner with everything you need to know for week one in the NFL. I can't wait for Sunday, I'll tell you that much. But I got we got to start with this Philly stink last night because it's irritating me so much. And I tweeted something today. I don't know if you saw my tweet. See my tweet? Yes, I did. I had to do with Gabe Kapler, the one and only. Yeah, what'd you think about it? Because uh, I tweeted this out. So wait, was Gabe Kapler a bad manager, or was his bullpen really bad? Or is Joe Girardi all of a sudden not a good manager? Hashtag Phillies 21-19, and 19, hashtag Giants 23-22. and 22. I'll hang up and listen. Well, here's where I stand on this. The problem with, with Gabe Kapler, 
I think we all understand. It was a personality thing, right? It was the fact that we really couldn't connect to him, and we didn't like some of the things we were hearing about the clubhouse. You have Carlos Santana smashing televisions because Fortnite is occurring before the game, right? So, I mean, we we just see the Look, issues happening with his his philosophy there. I, I agree with all the things you're saying, and I'm not a Kapler guy. I'm not saying, hey, we were wrong about this guy. He was a great manager. All I'm saying was... He had this team in the pennant race up to September for two years in a row with a roster that's worse than this roster. Fair or unfair? That is true, but he also had epic collapses in both years. He Who did. Do you blame for but that? Were, were his epic collapses part of maybe he didn't have a team that should have been in that position to begin with? Maybe he got more out of those teams and then they fell apart at the end because they weren't any good. Well, they definitely weren't good, but I think a part of it is because of the way that he keeps his clubhouse like the culture. It's too friendly. It's too much of a friendship. You need to have some. Hey, so you got to find a mix again. You got to find a good mix of determination and you know, bro. You're right. Look, I'm not saying that he did a great job. I'm saying maybe, but my point is kind of yeah. All these things. Do we really think though that if the culture was a little better in the locker room, that those Phillies teams were going to go to the playoffs? Absolutely not. Okay. It, absolutely not. All right. So let's start there. The point is. We constantly want to blame the coach. We constantly want to blame the manager. When it's not the coach, it's not the manager. This roster that the Phillies have is unfit to be a contender because they don't have the most important thing you need in the sport, pitching. They have no pitching. And I know we went and said, oh, the bullpen's better. I'm, uh, you can hold me accountable. They are a better bullpen. Their ERA has gone from 10 down to 7, but 7 is embarrassing. It's not good enough. And I said, they're not a good bullpen. They're just an average major league bullpen, where before they were an average AAA bullpen. So, yes, they've gotten better, but still not good enough. And quite frankly, Joe Girardi was brought here, thought of as this great manager. And I'm not saying he's not a good manager. What I'm saying is he don't have any players. The bullpen stinks. And they had to ask him last night, oh, is this bullpen good enough? Well, uh, we got the talent here, and they just got to get it done. Code word, no. My bullpen sucks. You see it every night. This is what I'm giving. And Gabe Kapler probably out in San Francisco with his feet up laughing and his you know, mirrored shade saying, ha. I got ripped every night, and I had to keep going to those clowns in the bullpen, too. Have fun with that, Girardi. Don't forget about the coconut oil. The coconut oil is in that room, too, where he's looking yeah, at himself yeah, with those yeah. glasses. That's right. Now, uh, lathering look, himself up with the coconut oil, saying, Hey, Girardi, <laughs> I hope you like going to uh, waving the right hand for Tommy Hunter every night. I, I can't even comprehend Tommy Hunter right now. You know, I got sucked down the Michael Jordan train. Of course, I knew he stunk the whole time. I was just having fun with it. It's a six to three game. If you want to nitpick a little more, though, I would like to nitpick a little more. In the eighth inning, Adam Hastley had bases loaded to just put the game away. You know, just put the game away. It's six to three, eighth inning, bases juiced, get a damn hit. And then that that play that happened by Starlin Marte, of all people, who the Phillies were actually talking about maybe going after at the trade deadline and possibly the luxury tax being a reason why they didn't do that, maybe that doesn't even matter. Like, sure, they would have gave up runs. The bullpen, Tommy Hunter, Workman, they would have gave up runs. But if Adam Hazley was able to execute in that spot, but is that fair? Here's the reality. You have a 6-3 lead in the eighth inning. 
whether he made the hit or didn't make the hit, you need to be able to shut down that game, and they weren't able to do it, and that pisses me off. Yeah, I'm not blaming Hazley at all here in this situation. Yeah, you want to get the big hit and extend that lead. They've been doing that, though. They have had that insurance run. You know, people have been saying, if you follow Twitter, when the Phillies, is that the Phillies with an insurance run? How about this stat that's out there? How many games have the Phillies played? They have had the lead in like 36 of their 40-whatever. Have you seen this stat? I don't know what exactly it is, but that's how bad their bullpen has been, that they've had the lead in almost 85% of their games, and they're two games over 500. Metallico last night, he makes the point, and I agree. you got to wonder how the offensive players are staring at those guys and not thinking, like, they're, how there's not a divide in that locker room right now with how bad the bullpen has been, that they can't hold up their end of the bargain. This team should be 10 games over 500, and I'm being kind. I, I couldn't agree more. How about this, though? You know what bothered me a little bit last night? The fact that after the game, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but after the game we get the news about Zach Wheeler. And he, he had a fingernail issue pulling up his pants. So he's not able to make tonight or a Saturday start. Does that bother you at all? Like, I get it's important to have your nail when it comes to your pitching and your throwing arm. But, dude, come on. No? Is that just the hockey player in me to think that it's ridiculous that he had a fingernail issue? So now he's not going to make his next start? A fingernail issue? You can't. Now we have to go with the bullpen game. So now the bullpen is going to have a full game when you now you can't pitch because of your fingernail. Is that me being ridiculous or no? Joe Girardi, quote, you can't make this up. He actually came back into the press conference last night to tell everybody, hey, by the way, there's been a change to the pitching rotation and you can't make this one up. Zach Wheeler is not able to pitch because he injured his finger. You said a fingernail issue. What you failed to mention was he hurt his finger putting on his pants. Did you not read I, that part of I it? I said that. Oh, did you? I did. Okay, sorry. I thought you said he, he hurt his finger and that it, he couldn't hurt pitch because of a fingernail. He hurt his finger putting on his pants. And Girardi says, you can't make this up. You can't make it up that your second number two pitcher in the rotation can't pitch because he hurt his finger putting his pants on. It's unbelievable. It bothers me. It bothers me. I feel Zach Wheeler should say, give me the damn ball. Like, is it is it fair for me to be a little upset with Zach Wheeler? Because I want him to say, I want to be on the bump. I'll pitch through this. I know our bullpen can't handle it. So I feel me with the banged up fingernail is better than going with the bullpen game. And this is a huge series. This isn't a random game 25 out of 162. This is a must-win series after a devastating loss to start it. I feel he's got to demand the baseball and want to go out there. It, it honestly eats me alive a bit. Now, I don't know the extent. Is his whole fingernail off and it's in that much pain? I mean, I don't know. You want a picture. Regardless. You want picture and proof. Yeah. I want Joe Girardi to send me a text after the game. Say, bro, it's in case <laughs> you were wondering and you want to utilize it on Twitter, here's a picture. That's all, that's all I'm asking for. Well, all right. How about this, though? The Phillies play the Marlins seven times coming up. So think of it as a seven-game series, right? You lost game one of the series. Can't you see he'll come back and win the series? Well, there's two doubleheaders, and they have yet to win since 2012. Two games in one day. Monday would be the game that they're saying Wheeler might be able to pitch. 
So there's a possibility that you do get Wheeler in this series to kind of maybe salvage it. I don't know. You're getting Nola today in game number one. And then in game two, you're getting the bullpen game. I don't even know who he elects to be the guy that starts the bullpen game. I would imagine Ranger Suarez gets the gets the ball to start things off, right? He would be the yeah. guy. Yeah, it's possible. I was thinking when you mentioned um, Zach Wheeler maybe going on Monday, I don't know if that lines up with Sixto Sanchez or not. It's either Sunday or Monday that we're going to be in, be seeing some Sixto Sanchez action. And, you know, maybe it benefits the Phillies that this is happening by the matchup purposes. But still, I mean, I, I am frustrated that he doesn't take the ball, even though there's a fingernail issue. To me, it's like, dude, this team doesn't have a bullpen. We can't afford yeah. to do that. But at the same time, when you have two double headers, you're forced to use a bullpen eventually at, at the same time. But I'm just pissed off. Jorge Alfaro is the one to step up in the big moment. He Dude. also had a beautiful gun down, too, to second base. How about this? The irony here. The Phillies have traded two catchers away, Davey Gruyan and Jorge Alfaro. In the last week, both of them have had hits to beat you you traded away Pedro Martinez Jr. to get a catcher. You see the irony here? Pedro Martinez. Oh, it's him. I'm convinced it's him. I'm convinced. I was telling Josh this yesterday. The next time we see Sixto Sanchez pitch, you're going to see Pedro Martinez. Like, it's Pedro Martinez. And then somehow you're going to see him in the booth during the Fox broadcast, and he's got to be in both places at once. It's him. He's so good. He is so good. I'm still watching his highlights every day. I wake up. I have my coffee. You know me, right? Sometimes I go back and I'll watch the highlights of the Flyers game before. By the way, shout out to Sean Couturier winning a big, big award. I'll go back and watch the extended highlights of whatever game happened last night. Well, this morning I put my feet up. I was making my cup of joe, drinking it black, of course, just watching Sixto Sanchez highlights. The thought process of what's going on with this team bothers me a little bit. So they made the trade to get some bullpen arms from the Red Sox, right? They gave up a legitimate prospect in that deal, right? They gave up a legitimate prospect in the deal to get Workman, who stinks, and Hembry, who's okay. They did that so that Boston could take some money back to keep them under the threshold. That's what it was designed to do. Not because Boston was like, hey, uh, we want your this a seven-gamer against the one team over the years, as bad as they've been, Hunter, that you haven't been able to beat. Do you think that this Marlins team is really that successful? Thing that we are watching, because when we started talking about baseball, we said there's going to be plenty of teams that come out and they're able to perform early and they're going to make the playoffs, even though if it was 162 – they would eventually drop off. Do you see this team, the Marlins team, that is, as a squad that can seriously compete? No. Or no. is it the nature of what we knew was going to happen? No, I thought I think over 162, they would have started to fade away. And, and, like, you know, how many times, like, what did Frank say on Tuesday? We're basically in, like, May baseball. I would love to go back to May of last year and see what the standings look like to see which teams were kind of hanging around in May, and then kind of fell off the beaten path. I think the Marlins eventually, it would have caught up to them that they just don't have the talent over 162. Part of the reason that 162 is 162, and this is why for all the people who want, oh, we got to play less games, the 162 grind, you got to play every day. You've got to have depth. You've got to be able to go through the whole ins and outs of the dog days of summer. 
And a team like the Marlins just don't have the depth and the team and the talent to do it. So, yeah, for two months they can hang around 500. The Giants with Gabe Kapler out there, that roster's horrible, but they're a game over 500. But I think if you played over 162, they would start to fade away a little bit. So, no, I don't think the Marlins are a true contender in a 162-game season. Do you? No, no, no. I, I, I definitely don't. I definitely do not. But in this world that we're living in right, <clears throat> right now, what we're experiencing, you know what? It's just 2020. How many times do we sit there during the whole four-month quarantine, five-month quarantine process, and we were, we were talking about, well, when sports comes back, is it going to be legit? Is it not going to be legit? I think we all have to put our hands up and go, well, it's 2020, and we're witnessing it happening right now. This is just part of what happens in this type of season. But let, let's throw something out there here. Bryce Harper, while well, I thought in the first inning, he actually had a big play. It was first and third with one out. He stole second base. What ended up happening was the Phillies grounded out the shortstop and scored a run because there was no double play ball. So he got on first base due to a walk, and he was allowed. He stole second. It was a big play. It scored a run early. I mean, it, it can't go unnoticed how big of a play that is. But ultimately, Bryce Harper has not been good enough. He has been so damn ice cold. And when you win baseball games because the rest of the team steps up, you can be okay with that. You can live with it because you go, all right, look at the depth of this lineup. But when you start to lose, even though you're losing because of the bullpen, I still think Bryce Harper should be heavily criticized because he's been bad. He has not been good at all. Do you, do you give him any grief for not catching that ball? They were giving him some grief on the post game. I mean, I don't know. It's Interesting a, you bring that up. Tough play to make. Tough play to make. I thought maybe originally he was lined up in a spot that made it tough. Was he informed to be where he was? Well, I'm out sure there he on was. The field? They so, had those cards in their back pockets right. that, that positioned them. Right, exactly. So maybe he was put in that position by the coaches, but it wasn't the right one, obviously. It's something to notice, but I think that falls maybe third or fourth on the list of the big issue, of course. And yeah, you know what? He yeah. might he might have maybe been able to take a better route. But I like it is what it is. I like Metallico's answer better. The ball was crushed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crushed I have a bar can though to start to start it off. Yeah, how did he start? What did he say? I texted this you. This Philly's bullpen sucks. <laughs> yeah, he didn't mince words with that. Uh, by the way, last year on June first, okay, June first. The Nationals were 25-33. and 33. They ended up winning the World Series. Now, the Marlins last year on June 1st were 20-36. and 36. So they were bad on June 1st already and stayed bad all year long. But I think you can see a clear indication of, like, teams. Now, Baltimore last year was 18-40. and 40. This year, Baltimore's in the playoff mix. I mean, they got a series with the Yankees that the Orioles are playing the Yankees this weekend, and that is a series that has playoff implications. The, the Orioles are 20-22, and 22, and the Yankees are 22-21. and 21. I love that. I, I love the fact that the Yankees are struggling so much. It makes baseball fun, that the big noise. And when they were all healthy, everyone was talking about, oh, my God, look how powerful this team is. Ooh. And now you listen to their fan base, and it, it's hilarious. But it's interesting, though, because – when the season started, I thought if the Dodgers won or if the Yankees won, everyone treats it like, okay, they won. This is what type of team they are. They probably would have won anyway. But if the Orioles win, if the Marlins win, hell, if the Phillies won it, no way with this bullpen. But my point is, 
if a team that isn't a top dog wins it, people look at it differently compared to, well, if the Dodgers win, it's like, oh, they would have won anyway. It's just funny how that is. Let me ask you this, then. If Do you like, because I saw, did you see what Kershaw said yesterday? He hates the, the runner on second base. He doesn't want to see it come back. No, I did not. I did not hear that. Yeah, he said. And by the way, the Dodgers are five and one in extra innings, so this isn't like him whining and complaining because they're bad. He just doesn't like it. Do you prefer this type of season where it's shake them up, put them in a jar, and roll them out to see which teams get out of the sixty-game sprint? No, I don't. I don't like this. Like if this is what baseball was every single year, I would be pretty damn disappointed. Because do you? Do you? No, like this? I don't like it. But I'm just saying because we have a game. With the Mar- a series with the Marlins, seven game series by the way, because the Marlins who came into your ballpark, got COVID, ruined your first week of the season, calls you to play all these games, and last night you couldn't put them away, and they're dancing and partying, coming back from behind on you. You should be ashamed of yourself if you're that Phillies bullpen to not be able to lock that game up. But that here's a game. You know, my father asked me, hey, when's the regular season in? I said, about three weeks. The baseball season's over. And people are like, this series with the Marlins is a seven-game series. A big series. Yeah, because after this series, they're almost done. This is it. This is the stretch. This season went over in a blink of an eye. You can't afford to have a game like last night. But do we like that? Do we like where all these games are so meaningful? No. No. I want the 162 because that's that's baseball, and that's what it's all about. It's about the long journey. It's about the long grind. It's about going through stretches of 10 and then losing five and then maybe winning 10. It's all about that emotional ride with the team. I That's what makes the September rush, the, the late August rush, that much better when you go through that long journey and then you kind of have it late. So I do get that this part of the season is fun, but what intensifies this normally is, is the fact that you have such a long period of time before then to even get to that spot. And what team starts out hot? Can you can you manage? You know, can these pitchers, these starting pitchers, yeah, now you have a handful of starts compared to can you put it together for triple the amount of time, you know? So, no, I, I don't like it. But you mentioned how you can't afford games like last night. The problem is it doesn't happen once every three weeks or once every month. Keeps it happening. happens two or three times a damn week. Keeps happening. You're right. And that's why I don't know that we can blame Gabe Kapler as much as we would have liked to. Hey, look, and I said this before, I don't blame Kapler much like Brett Brown. He wasn't number one on my list of the reason why the Sixers stunk. Gabe Kapler was not number one on my list of the reason why the Phillies stunk. They have more underlining roster issues than the manager being the biggest problem they have. And you're seeing it again, because I don't think people thought Joe Girardi was an idiot. All of a sudden, he now can't manage? No. The GM gave him slop. Gave him a sloppy Joe from the lunch lady. Scooped it up and said, here you go. Use this. Figure it out. Brought to you, Sports Bash, brought to you by the New Jersey Department of Agriculture. Send a big thank you to New Jersey farmers for all the hard work that goes into providing fresh produce by buying Jersey Fresh. Stay loyal to local with Jersey Fresh Produce. This is the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Our old buddy Colin Thompson, you know, he was in the AAF. They folded. He was in the XFL. They folded. But he got picked up by the Carolina Panthers. And guess what? 
He made the team. So we'll talk to him. The journey to become an NFL player with Colin Thompson today at 3.30 today on the Sports Batch, which means the lower Cape May Caper Tigers lost their offensive coordinator. He was going to call plays for them this year. Apparently he's going to try to do it remotely. Going to call plays from a Zoom. We'll have to ask him about that whole situation. That's All right, happy hour Friday. Pete Thompson tonight at 5 o'clock. It's the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. Don't forget, download the free mobile app. Take us with you everywhere you go. Chad Millman at 3.15. Colin Thompson today, the Carolina Panthers tight end at 3.30. John Kime is today's outside view. We'll go down to Washington and get the latest on the Washington football team. 609. 403-0973 403-0973 on the PlaySugarHouse.com text board, 609-403-0973. So, I don't know if you noticed last night, but Clyde Edward Hilaire ran 25 times for 138 yards and a touchdown and was one of, like, one rookie in history to go over 130 yards and score a touchdown in his first, something like that. Any thoughts? Never heard of him. Watch too much Phils? <laughs> I actually tweeted at you last night because Bleacher Report put out a pretty uh, funny picture of uh, a young kid crying and said fantasy GMs after passing on him. And I tagged you in it, and I said, this is a live look at what you looked like yesterday on the air when you stated you accidentally auto-picked Alvin Cook. Yep, well, I said that the guy I wanted to pick was Clyde Edward Hilaire. Now you see why. Well, I knew how talented he was, and I, I knew that was going to be special, but I, well, first I had the first overall pick, so I picked Christian McCaffrey. But if I was in your situation, I would come better prepared knowing that I was on or off auto-draft when it was my turn to select. Now, I ran into the Schwein today. What did he say about it? Schwein agrees with me. He said the thing should have been stopped because last year he had the same problem where he was signed in and then out and in and out and out of his control. Now, how many times do we have to go down this road? If you are agreeing with the Schwein, what does that tell you? I know. I don't like to be on the same side as the Schwein too often. So I do feel that that's a bad alibi, but I get his point and, you know, by no fault of my own, did that website have a glitch. Now, I'm not going to blame you right now for the Schwein situation for one reason. He told me a different story this morning. This morning, he disagreed with you and agreed with me on the phone. Wow. So he's telling you one story and telling me another. We got a flip-flopper there, uh, Schweimer. Is that surprising? No. 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 How, what were your what were your overall feelings yesterday, though? I mean, look, there was an NFL football game on. What were your initial thoughts? They had, what, 14,000 in the stands or yeah. so? You know, here's the thing. I think most of the sports do a pretty good – and I thought the football game last night, watching the game, you had really no idea that there wasn't anybody there. Like, you were not distracted by the lack of fans in the crowd at all. And I think the TV networks have done a good job – with all the sports, with, like, the natural sound in the background. Like, so that the football game last night, it sounds like there's something going on. It's, like, I think the initial, in, like, vision that we had was going to be that it was going to be dead silence in these places, right? And you were going to hear nothing. But they've all kind of put some sort of natural element and sound in the background that makes it a better broadcast. 
I couldn't tell which part was the fans in the stands or how much was pumped in. Could you last night? No idea. I agree. That's a great job. Now, obviously, it'll be a lot different when there's nobody there whatsoever. But even the 14,000, that was enough. I mean, really, compared to seeing nothing in the stands, which we will see a lot of on Sunday, just 14,000? That was enough to satisfy me when it comes to looking at the crowd. They were spaced out, but it still felt like there were a really good amount of people in the building. Yeah, now I texted you last night with the list of all the stadiums and what they're going to have at least for the beginning of you know the seasons here. And so Arizona, no fans for two games. Atlanta, no fans the first month at least. Baltimore, no fans to start the season. Buffalo, no fans through September. Carolina, no fans for season opener. Chicago, no fans until further notice. Cincinnati, no fans for season opener. Cleveland, about 10% of capacity. Now, that's bonkers because they're both in Ohio, but that shows you how bonkers Ohio is right now. Some counties have things in some rules, and other counties have rules that are different from it. You know what I mean? It's like... Depending, depending on where I've heard some wonky stories about living in Ohio from a buddy of mine where you can drive on the on the, you know, whatever they call it out there, the parkway, the freeway, the the interstate. And depending on where you are on that interstate, the rules are different of what you can and cannot do. And you could get off an exit somewhere and have no idea what part of the counties you're in. That if is pretty. If you're weird. a bit like if you're a visitor. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you have no idea and you're just driving through Ohio, you don't know what you're doing. I was thinking it would be like if Pittsburgh and Philadelphia had two separate set of rules. Well, they do because Pittsburgh, no fans first two games. Philadelphia, no fans until further notice. But I don't know why that is. But like Philadelphia County, where the Phillies are, uh, the, the Eagles are, has different rules than the rest of the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Now, do you think that the Eagles – did the Eagles confirm 100% that this is a full-season thing? No, it says no fans until further notice. Right, because I would think that what's going to happen is as this, these seasons or um, these games and this season continues to go down and games are happening and you see other areas doing all right, I think you'll start to see more teams allowing people in. Yeah, now Dallas, it says no decision yet. The state of Texas is allowing up to 50%. But that's different. I feel when you're in a dome, it completely changes the entire conversation. What do you think? Yeah, I would think you would not be allowed in the dome. Exactly. Now yeah, They're going to have the most. Denver, no fans for season opener. Detroit, no fans through October. Green Bay, no fans first two games. Houston, no fans through September. Indianapolis, now this is interesting. Get your reaction on this one. Indianapolis, up to 2,500 fans. Not enough to make it worth it, 2,500? Yeah, that's weird. It's a very small amount. At that point, you would think, why even have anyone? Or add more. What would be what would be the number that you think is reasonable to even open the doors? I thought what they had last night was, well, Jacksonville is 25%, Kansas City 22%. I think Jacksonville at 25, Kansas City at 22 is a reasonable number. Well, what if you get 10,000? Because that would be less than 22%. If you told me 10,000, I think that's the number that I think it should start being respected to open the doors. Yeah, uh, Chargers are no fans until further notice, which is interesting because they only have 20,000 seats. Although they're playing at the new place now, right? Okay, yep. yeah, never mind. They're at the new place. 
Rams are no fans until further notice. Raiders, no fans this season. Wow. Boom. They've wow. already so your first season in Vegas, you just built that place and nobody's allowed in. Do you think that's why they did that? They want the first time that you're really allowed to experience that building is when you can really Dude, experience it. Last night, they're doing the Super Bowl trophy presentation and the whole glitz and glamour. It's the first time the Chiefs have ever won, and there's 15,000 people there to be like, this one's for you guys, and there's a blank canvas out there. I, I mean, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Like, can no, you imagine the Eagles win the don't. Super Bowl, and then the next year, the first game, they're doing the whole thing, and there's nobody there? That's got to be weird. That's got to be such a weird feeling. But when I when I look at back at yesterday's game, I thought it was magnificent. I had so much fun watching it. It didn't feel like real life. It honestly felt as if, you know, you go to 2020, you need to get get a milestone somewhere. There needs to be a like a, a, a spot in the year that you get to that makes you feel good. And when you saw what happened with baseball early on, and there were so many COVID cases, you didn't know how it would work with football considering – at the time, baseball was the only sport that didn't have a bubble. Would we get football? And the fact that we hit that milestone yesterday of the start of the NFL season, it seems like that put a good vibe in everyone in society. Wouldn't you agree? Um, yeah, I think it did. Like, I well, I definitely think when they showed the fans in the stands, although the fans booed last night. On, yeah, that was very, disgraceful, in my opinion. At a very uh, unfortunate moment. Like, I hold mean, on, you get. You get 14000 in that building, right? So you're the 14000 that are such diehard fans that you're spending money to watch this team go out there and compete. And during a moment of just all they were doing was linking arms. Linking arms? Yeah. I mean, to me, that it's just insane and disrespectful, in my opinion. I, I, don't, I, I mean, I don't understand what the reason would be for that moment. I mean, I understand for the people who are angry at the other stuff, which I don't understand, but I understand if that was right. when it you was happening. you don't agree with it, but you see why they are why they are upset with it. Correct. But for what they did last night, just, hey, let's just have a moment of silence. Like, hey, let's just try to be civil here for five seconds. And the, the few people that are in the building are booing. I mean, what kind of human beings are these people? Exactly. And that's where I think that the narrative of why they're upset is not actually because of what they say it really is. Probably accurate. Um, Dolphins, 13,000 fans to start. Vikings, no fans through September. Patriots, no fans through September. Saints, no fans for season opener. Giants and Jets, no fans until further notice. Steelers, no fans first two. Eagles, no fans until further. San Fran, no fans for opener. Seahawks, no fans first three games. Buccaneers, no fans first two games. Tennessee, no fans through September. Washington, no fans until further notice. The wording's interesting because I feel, you know, some of these teams that it's the home opener, they probably hit the road the following week. Like, you have to dive into some of these schedules where I think you said Seattle was the first three games. Uh, unless that means they're, I guess that's their first three home games. I was going to say, you know, do they have three home games to start the season? I don't know their specific schedules. Doubtful. but I would Right, I, I doubt it. But I'm just saying the wording of it, is probably lined up for them to buy some more time if they're hitting the road at a certain time. They think maybe things will open up by the time that they, you know, claim that they're holding it down for. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, I don't know. Did <laughs> there was actually fans there last night, which most of these places are going to have no fans last night. It was hard to tell what kind of impact because I don't know if the crowd noise was 
manufactured? Was that from the 16,000? I would have to think it was manufactured. That 16,000 fans, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it was if hard to If it was tell. manufactured, I'll tell you what. I don't think I'd lose a, a, a step watching football because that was great. I thought that was great if that was manufactured. So on SportsCenter last night, Michelle Steele explained that the difference between the in-arena pumped-in noise versus the crowd noise was more discernible in the building because of the fact that before the game, she heard them do the sound test, and it sounded way too loud, and they had to bring the volume back down. So she so said, pumping in crowd noise? Every stadium has their own built-in crowd noise. But she said that at the beginning of the game, it was so loud, and Roger Goodell was there, he basically kind of told them, all right, this is the regulations of how you got to have the crowd noise, whether there's a crowd there or not. But she says in the building, it's discernible what's the crowd and what's the pumped-in noise. Sports Pass is brought to you by GMS Law. Make the right call for convenient locations to serve you. Visit them online at gmslaw.com. It's the Sports Bash on a Friday. Happy Hour Friday. Pete Thompson joins us at 5 o'clock tonight for a little happy hour with the PT. Casey Joyner's back. We'll get his take on week one in the NFL. Can anybody beat that Chiefs team? We haven't even really gotten to how good they looked last night. I mean, the Texans, you know, we were talking yesterday about, oh, everybody's picking the Chiefs. There was a reason. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this looks like the game that everybody's picking the Chiefs. And nah, not nah, nah. The Texans, nobody in the AFC is close, I don't think. Maybe Baltimore. Maybe. Can anybody beat the Chiefs in the AFC side of things? The NFC's deep. All right, we got plenty more to do. John Keim is our outside view today. Chad Millman will look at the spreads, the lines, and how you can make a little money from the Action Network at 315. It's all happening on a happy hour Friday. This is the Radio NFM. 10 to the top of the hour. I'm Mike Gill. What's going on, everybody? Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN. We got uh, a lot going on today, including the Happy Hour Friday with Pete Thompson at 5 o'clock. The PlaySugarHouse.com text board. It's open, 609-403-0973. Football at 4 today with uh, Andrew DeCecco. We'll break down this Eagles game, and we'll get all the matchups to watch with Casey Joyner tonight at around 5.15. So we got a busy show for you. By the way, Schwein checked in. The Schwimer. What did he say? He wants his voice to be heard. Huh? Mike! I told Josh, how did you not know you were on auto pick? At the time, I didn't know you told Josh. It's not a flip-flop. That's not fair. He's the flip-flop guy. Last year, I just couldn't pick. Uh, it had nothing to do with auto pick. I just don't know how to run my computer. He said that? No. I, had it. I was going to say, I'm surprised that he admitted he didn't know how to use his computer. I added that part, but it really hurts to talk like that all day. I don't know how he does it. Well, he doesn't you know, that's have a to. Fake, that's a fake voice the Schwein uses. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? All day uh... long. Look, you want to you wanna take a step back and look at the five from yesterday? Yeah, that I do. I think I did all right this time when it came to actually calculating this together. I hope so. You've been terrible in the calculations. You're not wrong. You're like Schwein uh, three, doing the math. 
well, look, it just it's a snowball effect, just like the bullpen. When one guy stinks, the next guy stinks. Well, at 97-3, you hang around Schwein, you, it's a snowball. Uh, you went three and two. I asked how many touchdowns for Pat Mahomes. You said three. How about that? Well, I asked. Was it right on Will the nose? Sh- Go ahead. Was it right on the nose? Right on the nose. Will Deshaun Watson throw an interception? You said yes, and then I actually quoted you saying, no doubt. Look at you. Yep. How many hits for the DH, Andrew Knapp? You said zero. Ding, ding, ding. Zero it was. Do the Phillies win? Ooh. Close. Tommy Hunter gets me again. That damn bullpen. And then I asked, will Jake Arrieta pitch in the sixth inning? Now, he did pitch in the sixth inning. He didn't complete the sixth. His stat line at the end didn't say six innings, but he did pitch in the sixth inning. Yeah, five so and two-thirds. Five and two-thirds for him last night. Correct. So you are now 30-20 and 20 on the season, which is pretty good. I mean, sometimes I ask some tough ones. Sometimes I give you some layups. I think you're doing all right. How about this? couple roster moves for the Phils. Does it have to do with the bullpen? Uh, yes. Uh, Adam Morgan reinstated uh, from the 10-day injured list, and Connor Brogdon has been optioned to Lehigh Valley. Ronald Torres has been selected from Lehigh Valley. Neil Walker designated for assignment, and Ramon Rosso has been added as the 29th man for the double dip. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, none of these moves... Re- Adam Morgan is... Just a, a guy that you would hope would be able to step in and get you some outs, but he's been getting rocked this year, too. Yeah, Morgan has not pitched well. I think, you know, he pitched well at one point of his uh, two years in the bullpen, and we're kind of waiting. It might have been last year for a little bit. Or yeah, maybe it was. More, where we're just waiting for him to get back to, like, that 15-game stretch that he had. But yeah, he's really insane. not that good. He he didn't allow an earned run for like an obnoxious amount of time. I remember, and then I actually, I think it was at the game where he finally allowed one and people were booing him because it was in a big time situation. And I'm thinking, this guy just went on, I don't remember exactly off the top of my head how many games it was, but he just went on one hell of a streak of not allowing an earned run. He eventually does, which is going to happen. And now you're just going to boo the man as if he didn't just help you out over the last couple weeks? That's a little ridiculous, no? Well, right now, he might be the best guy they got. Now, I don't know. Would you consider closing JoJo Romero? I don't know. I don't know. I would ra- At this point, you know what I'd rather do? I'd give Hector another shot over Workman. Yeah, I think that's the first thing I would do. Workman yeah. stinks. He's awful. That curveball? Hello? The Phillies, I can do better than that. The Phillies are the only team that can employ a closer who can't crack 90 on the gun. I told you that. You always ask me why I'm obsessed with velocity. Well, because the Phillies don't know what that means. I mean, seriously, he was pumping 89 gas last night. Could you hit that? Yes, I could hit that. 89? Come on, that's pedestrian. They should be ashamed of themselves trotting him out there in that situation. Why'd they bring him back? That's what I wanted to know. All right, coming up next hour, Chad Millman from the Action Network, Colin Thompson from the Carolina Panthers.